Welcome, everyone, to another episode of the Healthy Obsession Podcast. This week, we discuss our own video game 3x3s, and it's a little bit longer, you know, because we got some thoughts, but it's uh, a lot different from our anime one, as you will find out, and I think I say numerous times, but yeah. Chris, you got any thoughts about what we discussed? Uh, yeah, I think I should just say, since we didn't really do so in the episode, I think it's worth repeating what exactly a 3x3 is. And and that is essentially a, a gridded nine square block of, in this case, video games that we believe are central to either our personality or our taste in video games. And uh, it's just kind of a chance for us to indulge in uh, what we love about video games and those nine games individually. So yeah, sit back, relax, and get ready to listen to each of us go on very long sprees of it just being our individual voices. Hell yeah! So we were talking a lot of E3 stuff last week, right? Oh yeah. Uh, and then, so, so you came to me and said, Hey, I want to do video game three by threes this week. Why, why, why is that? Uh, because I am a content thief and basically all my good ideas come from the trash taste podcast. Cause they also did a video game three by three. So shout outs to them for bringing the three by threes back. Um, and also I thought it would just be a really great segue to go from our, what we, we kind of did a predictions or what we want to see. Little bitty segment on that about E3 for next week. Because, oh God, that's next weekend, isn't it? Uh, <laughs> and I was like, let's keep the video game content a rolling. And what better way to do that than talking about nine of our, well, depends on how you view it, nine of our favorite, most influential games. Because I think there's multiple ways with a 3 by 3 of how you can approach exactly what you put on there. Yeah, when it comes to personal stuff like this, I like, I really do like the 3x3 format more than a ranking list. It, it's a little more free form. I, I like to have one that is the definitive above the rest, but then I like having just like a generic pool of other stuff. It takes a lot of pressure off and it kind of lets you just explore what, uh, what makes you, you know? Yeah. Yeah. Cause like, like I said, you can do it to, as your nine favorite games of all time. You could do, oh, this game influenced my life in X way. That's why it's on here. There's no real rules for what you put on there. And I think, to your point, that's what makes it just a great format for showing what a certain, whatever the category of things that you are putting on there represent yourself. Because at the end of it, that's really... All it's meant for is this is a snapshot of this form of media that represents my either taste or what I like in or any of that kind of stuff. For sure. And uh, when I was putting together my three by three, I went back through because, I mean, you know, we're, we're not that old. We're only like mid 20s. Right. But it's it's hard especially with how much video games we have played over the years. It's hard to remember everything you've played, right? Oh, yeah. I was having that problem myself. Like, even stuff that is really important to you, it could slip your mind in the moment. Um, I had the good fortune of, when I was in college, the podcast I was doing then, 
um, as one of the last podcasts I recorded with my co-host at the time, uh, he actually gave me the opportunity to, uh, we, we just put the spotlight on me and we did my top 20 video games. So that was a list that I was referencing while I was putting this together, which was helpful, but also in listening to that, I was, I was constantly like, fucking really? Was, <laughs> why, why did I put that in there? That <laughs> That's funny. So it's uh, it's moved around a little bit, and just like when we did the anime three by threes back in the day with our friend James, right? Um, I I said then I could make a three by three next week, and it would look different than right now, and I I think that's always going to be true. See, I I mean, mine would only really change as new stuff comes out that would replace some things that I have on there. Uh, I there if I could have had twelve. That would have been ideal for me because there's three other games I have. I think most of them are a little older that are right on the fringe of where I'd put them, but I don't think I could replace them for anything. that. I, there's only one game on here that I might pull off, and I will explain why, and you will know why once you see it. Uh, but other than that, I, I this is kind of set in stone for me, which I, I think is interesting because, to your point, I know with the anime one, I was similar to that where there were a couple I, I think I had 12 I was working with and like almost any of them could have come off to get another one on there. But surprisingly enough for video games with me, it's like, yes, this is, these are, these represent me. <laughs> yeah, see, I had like eight that I was unsure of. Oh, wow. I I was down to two slots, and I still had, like, 12 games on a list, and I was like, oh, I really want all of them. Interesting. Well, how about we go on ahead and upload them so we can see each other's, because... Yeah, so I think for the sake of reaction, we should go one at a time. So how about you You start? Throw, throw yours up. And we'll put both of these on our Twitter so you can see them there, at Obsession underscore pod. Uh, go ahead and show me, Hayden. Loading. There we go. Okay. Uh. Yeah, uh, I can't say I'm surprised by much of this. I I definitely called, I, I meant to say this before, we were going to have one game in common. For sure, yeah. there was no way around that. We were going to have one game together. Do, do you know it's what it Halo was? Halo 3. Absolutely. Yeah, I, yeah. And I see that uh, you've got Halo 3 in the center Hell yes. there. I mean, it is, uh, it is shaped, it's the one game on here that is actually just shaped where I am in life right now, whether it be with the friends that I have, uh, how I've grown as a person, because, boy, uh, Chris can tell you, uh, Halo 3 Hayden was not a fun Hayden to be friends with. Um, <laughs> I feel like I've come a long way from then. Granted, you know, that's I was in middle school, so, like, who enjoys looking back at their middle school self <laughs> and being like, I was, I was a good dude. No, I was a little piece of shit. Um now, before we started recording, when, when you were putting this together, you asked me, uh, real quick, before I have you run down the whole thing, you said, uh, can we have a whole franchise yep. on here? And, yeah. uh, is that because you also have Halo 1 separately there? Yes, and that was the one thing where I was saying the one I would pull off would be Halo 1, because if I used Halo 3 as the proxy for the Halo franchise, I would pull Halo 1 off. But then when I was thinking about it more... Uh, for reasons I'll go into, I I, I, f I still felt it appropriate to put Halo 1 on there. And, and I'll run through it now, but as you can see, I kind of layered it uh, in generations of gaming for me, which I 
did intentionally, so I'll be a little bitch boy about that. But I'll start from the bottom and go up because they kind of go through just different generations of games, for one. So uh, the bottom I have uh, Star Wars Knights of the Old Republic, the original Pokemon Silver, Halo Combat Evolved. In the middle row, I have Bioshock, Halo 3, and Mass Effect 2. And then on the top row, I have God of War, the, the God of War 4, essentially. Uh, the Witcher 3, Wild Hunt, and Apex Legends. So, kind of have some old school, some mid-2000s, mid-late 2000s, and then some teen, 20-teens games. Okay, so let's let's start at the bottom then. Go ahead and indulge. Tell me what's what. So, Knights of the Old Republic kind of is what lit the fire into me liking, I guess it, it, you would call it an RPG. Well, yeah, no, I say that as a, it's not a true like open world RPG per se. It was more, more much more of a linear one, kind of similar to Mass Effect, which is you know funny because they're both made by Bioware, so that <laughs> makes sense. Um, but always been a huge fan of Star Wars, like a huge fan of Star Wars, and then that was other than playing Star Wars Battlefront was the first game that I played where you're like, oh my god, I actually feel like a Jedi. This is this is badass. Uh, the funny thing about the original KOTOR game was I, as a young lad, sucked at it. And so when you get to the Malak fight at the end of the game, um, I didn't know how to beat him if I didn't have lifesteal. And so... I didn't beat the game for a while because I, like, my first playthrough, I just couldn't beat it. I had no idea how to how to do it. And then was like, okay, I'll just put everything in lifesteal, and I, I somehow beat it. And then I, later when I replayed it once, I got to the end, I was like, oh, I just beat the shit out of him. I was awful at this game. <laughs> <laughs> so, I, I, I love the story. It's back in when Bioware made good games. Uh, and... You know, I, I like the sequel, but I played it way... I played both these games way after they came out. Uh, but I played the second, the sequel one, which for some reason I'm spacing on the name, uh, way after I played the first one. So there wasn't really the, the magic of, oh yeah, here's a sequel right after for me. It was like, oh, I, I need to play this. So I did, eventually. Um... Then with Pokemon Silver, it is the first Pokemon game that I ever had. I was not a Gen 1 boy. I mean, I've played some of Yellow, but I never owned Yellow. Uh, so there's a lot of nostalgia there. And also, it's the best Pokemon game. Except, okay, well, I haven't played Platinum, and I haven't played some of the Black and Whites. Which I think are also in contention. But um, it's the only one where you play two uh region of gym leaders so like it's the longest one from that perspective and i i loved that i loved being able to go back to kanto uh i i have fond memories of a lot of the pokemon in that gen although i think it's one of it has some of the fewest pokemon uh added to that gen of any gen i think but I mean, I'm a huge. I'm still a huge Pokemon fan now, and that kind of was what lit the fire for that to still be something that I'm obsessed with even today. 
And then uh, to round out the bottom row, Halo Combat Evolved. Really, my first... I don't want to say first, because... So the one game that I've thought about putting in here that would kind of been like, oh, really? You put that on here? Would have been uh, James Bond Nightfire. Because that was like my first real, oh, split-screen-in shooter with with the boys. Uh, That I think... that that's what started my addiction to first person shooter games. But Halo is where I was like, oh no, this is my shit. I love this. I love the the campaign, the the multiplayer split screen aspect of it was just great. And the the main reason why I think I put this on here, even though I put Halo Three as well, and Halo Three, uh, I'll go into in a bit. We could probably both go into that when when I get to mine, since we both have it. Uh, it is just, I still come back, whenever I play through Halo, the first Halo, I still love playing that game. It's, it's dated as hell, but there's a nostalgia feeling that I don't think will ever go away. And with, with Master Chief Collection out now, and you, and being able to play online Halo 1, uh, multiplayer, it, I definitely see where, if you were playing I guess you would do giant land events of that back when it came out. Man, that would have been that would have been something else. But I do have I have a lot of fond memories of getting two friends with Xboxes because I didn't have one. But two friends with Xboxes to come over and have eight player split screen. We did some Halo Combat Evolved. I think it was mostly Halo Two at the by the time we were doing it. But just a lot of fond memories with with all three of these games. So I don't know. I don't know with doing this if you have any if you're going to want to do any thoughts on like some of the ones I've picked and me on yours or if you want me to just keep running through them. Well, I will say that uh I think the the bottom row for you is definitely where our taste diverges the most between uh our 3 by 3s Okay. Uh because I have not played KOTOR. I have no intention of ever playing KOTOR. I'm not a big RPG guy. Um, I was never super big into Pokemon, and even still, I've kind of fallen out of it. And I kind of really don't like Halo 1. Oof. Big oofs. <laughs> but I can appreciate and respect the building blocks on display here. Yeah, I, I, it's, I don't, if I was just going my favorite games of all time, the only one of those bottom three that would stay is Pokemon Silver, because I still love that game. I, I... I would probably be Pokemon Soul Silver just because it's the graphical update and it also incorporates Crystal into it. So it's kind of the old. Actually, that should probably just be Soul Silver because it also incorporates the Crystal version of the game into it. And it's just awesome. I, I love it. Uh, but yeah, I know I get that. I get that. It's, it's kind of. I did it in generations, like I said, of like these were games that got me, sparked my love. My middle row solidified it, and then the top row is kind of what has kept me from moving out of it. It's kind of if if I was going to rank my tiers. Sure. So go go ahead on the middle row then. So middle row. These are three of my favorite games of all time. Uh, Bioshock is arguably to me the greatest story of a, in a video game I've ever played. Um. I've played this game so many times. It's I probably maybe not the most cuz I think the Mass Effect games I've played more, but 
I I love the shooting mechanics, the dark story, the 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 setting of Rapture. It just I wish the final boss didn't suck ass because then it I could say it was the perfect game, but uh, that final boss fight is awful and it's funny hearing Ken Levine later go, yeah, it was terrible. <laughs> are there any first person shooters with boss fights that are good? Because I feel like the first person shooter gameplay just doesn't lend itself well to a boss fight at all. I'm trying to because mo- most of them don't even bother. Yeah. Right? Because, I mean, even Halo, when it has bosses, they don't really feel like it. Well, yeah, most of the Halo bosses were like, oh, you have to fight a hunter, or oh, you have to fight a scarab, you know? Yeah. Or, like, when you when you need to go after the Prophet. Like, oh, that's God. That's well, supposed ha- to be a boss fight, I guess, but it, it just doesn't feel like it. I'm trying to think. There has to be one where they just throw... It's more like a way. The best ones are where they put you in like a horde mode setting where they just throw enemies at you and you have to just survive. So it's not really like a single boss, but it's like a final boss encounter. Right. But yeah, I I can't think of any. Which, but I, I there's just I have not done my deep dive of exactly why Bioshock is so amazing to be very articulate with it, but that's not a surprise if you listen to us regularly. Um, but it's just great. And I, it's a game where I'm like, I think everyone should play it with, especially with the remaster that came out a few years ago. Uh, it looks decent enough. The original is kind of dated in visuals, but I think it still is. It's decent enough to where you're not off put by it. Uh, I would think the style of Bioshock holds up well enough that you could look past the graphics. Yeah, well, it, even when it came out, it wasn't like a visually stunning game. So, I, it, it was almost done in a way to, like like you said, it, it holds up to where you won't look at it and go, oh, God, ever. But you're like, eh, it's dated, you know. And I just think the the, the Big Daddy is one of the coolest enemy designs and ideas in a video game. And yeah, the design of the Big Daddy, I would say, almost single-handedly carried Bioshock as an IP force in video games for its time period. Oh yeah, oh yeah. And I mean, I can't. Oh, I can't remember what they're. I think I think the one with the drills, the bouncer. They had different types, but the drill one is one of the most terrifying things to just see. <laughs> <laughs> this giant dude in a in a a dive suit with a giant drill just coming at you is when you play that game on hard. I mean, they, they are, they're no joke when they say you need to get as many resources ready and you just are trying to not die. Like it from that aspect of it being a quote boss fight, the big daddy fights are amazing because as you move through and you get new versions thrown, you have to approach them differently than you did the other ones. Like different plasmids work better than a diff- depending on what type you're fighting, and it's that's why it's kind of so interesting to me that you had these pseudo boss fights throughout the game that were done very well, and then during the final boss fight, it's just a bullet sponge, and you're like, yeah. "Oh, I mean, Big Daddies for the most part are bullet sponges anyway." But it was just like, "Oh yeah," but they've just at least shoot got them. interesting mechanics. Yeah, yeah. Um, then I will move, so that, that's, that's Bioshock, Mass Effect 2, my favorite Mass Effect game, 
I specifically skipped over Halo 3 for obvious reasons. We'll talk to that. We'll address that next. Uh, Mass Effect 2 is my favorite Mass Effect game. Uh, Mass Effect 2 is kind of here to represent the whole Mass Effect franchise be- just because of the nature of that franchise. Uh, it seems kind of hard for me to just say, oh, I like I, I, I want to just specifically pull out this game because all three games are so interconnected with each other that, I mean, of a single experience of playing through each one, uh, I've played Mass Effect 2 probably the most. I, I, it just took everything that I liked about one and just made it better. Uh, the com- it, the combat system changed, made it a little more shootery than what the first one was, which I think played well to how the gaming industry was changing at the time. Uh, it just was more appealing to more people. And I, I can understand that, but still kept some of the core RPG uh, mechanics that the first one did well. Uh, the story itself was great. I can't. I'm at, I, I don't know when we'll ever get a game franchise where in the second game of a series they just kill the main character right at the very beginning. That was awesome and a bold move <laughs> that that worked. Uh, and I, it this this Mass Effect trilogy was just peak bioware and i really hope that they can get back to being where they were with the mass effect games the kotor games with having having that just exceptional story writing and and then having mechanics to just make that story writing even better um yeah i'm gonna take a shot and say Having not played Mass Effect games, as much as 2 is supposed to be a representation of the whole series, I would think that a lot of people would pick 2 as their favorite, if for no other reason than the first Mass Effect could be a little rough. It was even a little shitty in places. Oh, yeah. Um, And Mass Effect 3 is kind of mired by the drama of how they decided to end the series. Uh but two, I would probably say, is really what cements the love of the franchise for a lot of people. Yeah, and don't get me wrong, I love playing through three. It's just long. It one, it's long as fuck. And two, I can I've played it so much that I could just burn through two really quick. And I, that's kind of it too. Is I think two is the perfect length of a game. Um, three gets there. There's just a lot. <laughs> Three's it's I I mean. <laughs> Adam Sessler recently for G4 just put out his kind of review of the Mass Effect Legendary Edition that just came out with all the remasters. And his his thing is Mass Effect 3 is good. The ending is good because all of Mass Effect 3 is the ending. And I'm like, you know, you know what? That he's right. Like hmm. the ending, the actual take. ending to Mass Effect 3, I'm not the craziest about because it seems having it everything you've done be boiled down to three decisions was kind of meh. I'd rather if I would have honestly preferred one outcome, but that would have actually probably been worse. So when you think of worse from a fan outcry perspective, if you only had one ending, that would have been, Oh my God. Um, so I, you know, I, I, we talked about the ending recently. I thought, didn't we? Uh, yeah, a little bit. Um, but when you look at, if you look at mass effect three, as this is the ending of the series, the whole game, then yeah, it's great. I, other than the gripes I have with the the very end decision point, yeah, I love everything about Mass Effect 3. But there's just something about this almost like, oh, this isn't on as grand a scale 
it's a lot more, uh, I say smaller stakes. The stakes are still big in Mass Effect 2, but it's not like the fate. We're not yet to the fate of the entire galaxy. And I liked how the game played within those smaller stakes. Um, but then, and do we want to just save Halo 3 for last on mine? Uh, yeah, we we could. That, that's that's kind of up to you. Yeah, let's just um, we'll say like like you already pointed out, it does feature on my three by three as well. So whenever you want to talk about it, we can go for it. Yeah, we'll just we'll use that last, and we can use that unless you have it's it's in a very special spot on yours to where you want to also. No, it's it's not really. Okay, then yeah, I'll I'll save that for last, and we'll use that to transition into yours. Okay. So then, top row of mine, I have uh, God of War. The Witcher 3 and Apex. Again, I'll run through them all. But God of War, and I think we share this sentiment pretty closely. Uh, God of War, the new God of War 4 is what I'm just going to refer to it as uh, reinvigorated my love for video games and why I love playing video games. Because it's just so fucking good the whole way through. And how you like the how the story develops, how you progress and level up, and get more combos, and just as Kratos gets stronger throughout it, I I have I'd probably have to sit down and just like gather my thoughts more on God of War than what I have because I haven't I've only played through it one time. It's the only game. I have on here that I've only played through once. And I need to play through it again, but it's one of those things where, like, I just kind of still want to keep it as, like, remembering that first time that I played through it and and what I thought then. But I, I definitely need to play through this one at, at least one other time. Um, yeah, God of War, uh, like you said, we, we do share a very similar sentiment. And, and, uh, like I said at the top of the show, God of War kind of slipped my mind entirely while I was making my 3x3. And when I saw it on yours and started thinking about my own experience with it, I I almost feel like I should put it on my 3x3. Uh, only because um, when it came out, it was my senior year of college. And I, I have no attachment to the God of War franchise whatsoever. I was not going to pick up that game. But a friend talked me into it. and. Uh, at the time, I was going through a pretty rough bout of depression, and I know that for my own part, when that kind of thing happens, I lose interest in video games. I can't bring myself to play anything. I can't find enjoyment in it. God of War kind of single-handedly pulled me out of that. It's it's such a perfect game, and like you said, is everything I love about video games, from the gameplay to the storytelling uh, to the way it does its pacing. It's uh, it's one of the few games I've played that I can truly, without any caveats whatsoever, call it a 10 out of 10 experience. Oh, 100%. Um, yeah. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. It's one of the few games. I, I, even from that perspective, like, I've, I try to think of some other games that I could put in the 10 out of 10, and there just aren't many. Um... I could maybe argue for my next one of The Witcher 3 as being in contention. I don't actually know if I would give it a 10 out of 10, though. I probably would. I probably would. By the end of that game, yeah, I probably would. Um, but yeah, God of War is amazing. I can't wait 
for Ragnarok. Ugh, I can't wait. Um, God, I have to buy a PS5 for that, don't I? Yeah, we will. We will. The combined, we will need to at least get one for that. <laughs> <laughs> but uh, moving on, Witcher Three. I kind of at the time of playing this had a love hate relationship with it. One, it was the it's the greatest open world game I've ever played. Open world RPG I've ever played. The mechanics are just so deep, and I don't even feel like my little brain scratched the surface of min-maxing Geralt the way you can in that game. Um, the 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 hate part comes from uh, how... I, I had no idea that there were three endings in the game. Uh, <laughs> and until I got done with it and got saw the... Uh, so, first playthrough, I got the bad ending. And I'm one part glad because, oh my god, is the bad ending depressing as fuck. Um, so I then spent, after I figured that out, I was like, okay, now fuck this. So I then spent the next, like, 12 hours of gameplay continuously rerunning the last segment of the game to get the good ending because I kept fucking it up. And, uh, because of that, fuck that last section of the game. Um... It was, it was, it's not bad. It's just, I had a bad experience with it because I'm an idiot. But the story told in that game is amazing. Uh, the, the combat and, and just, there's just so much to do. It's incredible. I mean, I think I, when I got done playing that, I pretty much explored every nook and cranny of the game. So I, I've almost, you could say, I almost 100%ed it. I probably was only at like 80% though. But I thought I was at 100. Uh, Damn. I, I, it's one of those games, and God of War is in that, where I want to be able to play it for the first time again. It, it's in my list of, if I could play this again, having no memory of it, it's definitely up there. Because that the ending is very good. It, the payoff, everything pays off. I hadn't played one or two when I played this, and you, it does this great job of attaching you to characters that have been through all three games, but if it's your first entry into the franchise, you still have, you develop similar feelings towards towards all the characters that you, you would have if you'd been playing with them for years. And it's, it's what gave, it put, 3D CD Project Red into my oh they can't make a bad game and I will play all of them list and then that quickly came back to bite me in the ass with Cyberpunk but you know happens I've from the Cyberpunk debacle I have learned that no game studio is ever being put in that tier <laughs> ever again because if they can have a not release a non great released game any literally anybody can so there's that and last. Yep. But not least, well, I guess we still have Halo. Fuck. Uh, last but not least, Apex Legends. Uh, it's the Battle Royale game that has resonated with me the most, mostly because I love Respawn's uh, gun mechanics or shooting mechanics and just how the game feels. Their movement is has some of the greatest movement in any game I've ever played. Uh, the guns all feel great. I I didn't think I'd like Battle Royales because I'd was ass at Fortnite and PUBG, but there's something about Apex that struck with me. I'm decent at it. Um, I played this game the most of any game right now. Um, I've poured countless hours into this game, and 
if you're gonna it's my battle royale of choice and i don't really know what else to say about it so yeah i guess we're heading to the big one halo 3 um i think we've the halo 3 is a big one for both of us i i think we've talked about some of this previously on a pot on one of our episodes so i i don't want to deep dive in it again but you know that halo 3 basically created the foundation of my friend group in gaming uh it's where i met chris it's where i met everyone in our discord we all met basically some through friends of friends, but the thing that brought us all together was playing Halo 3. Uh, similarly to what I said at the outset, uh, it's, a, it's a great opportunity for me to do some self-reflection and to just see how much I've grown as a person outside of gaming and just as a whole. Because goddamn was I, I look back to the kind of person I was when playing this game and goddamn do I hate it. But... Uh, <laughs> You know, it's, which is, and then just looking at the game itself, you know, the multiplayer is great. I think some people are still Halo Two stands and whatever, but I I think it was peak Halo. Uh, Halo's never really, Halo, never really Halo's never been where it was from when since when Halo Three came out. The campaign concluded fantastically, minus Cortana. Take that level out, Tim. 11 out of 10 campaign, but Cortana's there, so it can't be that high. Um, and, uh, I, I mean, I played the... This game I've probably logged the most hours in of any game I've ever played, with just how much we played custom games, multiplayer, how many times I've run through the campaign. Uh, one of the few games I got all the achievements in for back when people cared about that, uh, it's just... A lot of a lot of fond and not so fond memories in Halo Three, but you know what? It's it's kind of incredible that a video game has shaped my life as much as it has. It, 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 saying that out loud still seems kind of weird, but it. Well, I don't think it would be unreasonable to say that we easily clocked somewhere in the ballpark of a thousand hours in Halo Three. Oh, yes, easily. Like, individually, not even combining. Oh, yeah. I mean, we had thousands of custom games played. Thousands. And most of those were at least 10 minutes a game. Yeah, and we know that for sure because it was on the service profile on Halo 3. Yeah. Oh. So, yeah. I I would take something you said a step farther. Not only has Halo not been back to the peak of halo 3 since then but i would even argue that halo 3 is the peak of multiplayer shooters in general Uh, and and it kind of comes down to the custom games because i don't think any singular system built the same kind of community that halo 3 had around its custom game system Because Halo 3 A had the file share system, which was very cool, where you could open up a player's profile that you just met in a game, and it could have their personal screenshots on there, or some cool clips from a game they had, or they could share their maps and game types. Um, That combined with the website Forge Hub, it fostered a very specific kind of community, where when you're designing your own games and maps, it made it super easy to find that kind of thing. 
And even now with Halo 3 coming to PC on the Master Chief Collection, it's so fucking cool to see people on PC comb through old files or remaking old games and people I've never met before, people that I wouldn't even knew existed in the community, people that had their own pockets of fandom within Halo 3, people that were probably our age at the time and have grown up just like we have, we all played the same games because some games were just bangers, and that makes an immediate connection. I don't have to share a single word with the, with these people to be like, oh shit, you know Jenga? You know Trash Compactor? That kind of connection is not bred easily in any other game. Yeah, I, and I think that's a great point because I didn't, I, I know for a fact when, when we were playing that, that it never dawned on me. It's like, oh yeah, there's probably thousands upon thousands of other people who have played this game as well. I, I had thought of it as our Halo 3 experience. And it's so cool to, to realize like, no, it wasn't just ours. Like there were countless other people who were having similar, because there's no way it was going to be the same, but similar experiences with these with these game types and you're right it there has never been and i don't know if there ever will be again the level of camaraderie amongst a community than what halo 3 fostered like could you imagine what that kind of landscape would look like if halo 3 came out today like the space that youtube content creation is in or twitch streaming is in combined with all the tools halo 3 gave a community it, it it would it would be the biggest game for content creation and to to that point i think that's you can take that a step further and go it's surprising that a, a game has not tried to do that since have cuz you know forge has has another sh- i mean there's other shooters that have taken mechanics of forge towards map creation but nothing to this scale that what halo's done and no one's tried to recreate it to that degree which i think is very interesting and even bungie themselves moving on to destiny abandoned private lobbies for a long time yeah yeah there's there's mechanics of halo that just almost seem like they're holding on to what they had with halo 3 and that that's there that's why there's people like me who are like who still hold on to the franchise and think well maybe we can get back to it being i don't even want to say the halo three days but just like popular 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 enough for the community to feel like oh yes we we have hit a new level where the franchise is open to newcomers and also satiates the lifelong fans yeah, and hopefully with Halo 6 coming to PC, that will be a step towards fostering a larger community. Oh yeah, it's but definitely helped. We won't know until it comes. It has definitely helped. But with that, unless you got anything else on Halo 3, that is my 3x3. Three three. And now, Chris, I will shut up and let you talk about yours. Alright, so posting mine now. Now, yours has... Uh, there, there, there is a visual aesthetic to your 3x3 three three that, aside from the presence of Pokemon, I would say there's a lot of grit in your 3x3. Three three. Yeah. <laughs> uh, and that is uh, noticeably absent from mine, <laughs> I would say. Yes. Yours is a lot more colorful. So, I'll give the rundown real quick uh, from top left going to the bottom. I've got 
Sonic Adventure 2, Mirror's Edge Catalyst, Halo 3, Portal 2, Super Mario 64, Outer Wilds, Dark Souls 3, Majora's Mask, and Undertale. Uh, do you have first impressions? What do you think? This is the most U3x3 three three I could have imagined. <laughs> Are there any surprises? Anything you didn't expect? Uh, maybe Majora's Mask being the Zelda game that you picked, but other than that, no. Okay. So, uh, my arrangement here is a little bit more abstract and I wouldn't look too deeply into it, but I was just trying to come up with some visually appealing way to sort these titles. So what I have done is uh, my corner games are the ones that I have figured to be the most central to the core of my being. <laughs> okay. That combined with Mario 64 at the center as it is my favorite video game of all time. Uh, otherwise, the ones on the cross from the middle are auxiliary. Still important, but not quite so central. So, we'll start at the top left with Sonic Adventure 2. And uh, if you are a listener of the podcast, you should know by now that I am an enormous Sonic the Hedgehog fan. And that does start with Sonic Adventure 2. But... Uh, it is important to note that it's not just because Sonic Adventure 2 was my first Sonic game. Uh, I do also genuinely believe that at least if you are a 3D modern Sonic fan, uh, the, the, the series has never been better than Sonic Adventure 2. Which is fucking terrible to say because that means from the start it was only downhill and has only ever been downhill and has never gone back up. And that's Sonic the Hedgehog. Always shit. <laughs> but I keep coming back. I love it too much. Sonic the Hedgehog 2 is, or sorry, Sonic Adventure 2 is like objectively a shitty game. It's not well put together. It doesn't play well. The voice acting is bad. Uh, the graphics have not aged well at all. Uh, the only thing that has, I would say, is the music. Because no matter how shitty a Sonic game is, in fact, I would dare say the shittier a Sonic game is, the better the music gets. Because honest to God, Sonic 06 has some of my favorite music tracks of the entire franchise. Uh, but I do think Sonic Adventure 2 has the best written story. And uh, the be it, it, it's got the most attitude. It defined Sonic for the age that that game came out in. Which I believe uh, SA2, at least when it released on Dreamcast... Uh, was a 10th anniversary Sonic title releasing in 2001. Uh, I played the GameCube version, which was actually ported to GameCube before Sonic Adventure 1 was. So a very important game for me and something I go back to a lot. Uh, Mirror's Edge Catalyst was probably the... Uh, it, it was the last game I added to the 3x3. It was in contention with a lot of other games, and I, I could probably drop it for anything else. If I wanted to put God of War on here, that'd probably be the one. But I love the Mirror's Edge franchise so much. Uh, it was one of the first games where I had the thought of, like, not a lot of people are talking about this game, but for some reason it really resonates with me. Uh, and Mirror's Edge along with things like Daft Punk, has kind of defined a lot of my aesthetic, and it's a lot of what I enjoy. Um, the music of the game, as well as the setting, is very pleasing. It's something that's comforting for me to go back to. Um, 
especially the the music is really good for like essay writing or if you've got to sit down and focus on something it's real chill vaguely cyberpunky a little synthy uh but mirror's edge catalyst in particular is a perfect sequel to the first game where it just does everything the first game did better makes it bigger makes it tighter um taking the free running hardcore gameplay of mirror's edge one and throwing it into an open world setting match made in heaven couldn't do better than that that being said i can't fucking believe that mirror's edge got a sequel because nobody talked about mirror's edge and even when they did not a lot of people liked mirror's edge it didn't sell very well it took years for ea to decide that it needed a sequel and it it baffles me to this day that it did and it's pretty much the only saving grace for ea for me i know you're the only person i know that has ever talked about this game fucking ridiculous because mirror's edge catalyst is a 10 out of 10 i tried to play the first one and i just quickly was like it's it's not my thing it's not my thing but yeah that I, i'm actually surprised okay so catalyst is just better because i was gonna say i'm kind of surprised you put that and not just the original one but that makes sense yeah, no, I, I could have put either in here. They would both represent the same thing, but Catalyst is just a much better game than the first one. So if I if I had to recommend any, like, either of them, uh, even then Catalyst is kind of a soft reboot, so you don't even need to play the first game to jump into Catalyst. So, you know, if you see it for $5 on Steam, you should pick it up. <laughs> that bargain buy. Uh, yeah so then in the corner of the top row is halo 3 and we already talked pretty significantly at length about that so going to the middle row uh portal 2 uh also a perfect sequel to the original portal um it uh it's funnier it's longer uh the characters get so much better and uh aside from half-life 3 it's my own personal vendetta against valve that they can't count higher than two <laughs> i have never played a game that is funnier than portal 2 um it it has defined a lot of what i enjoy comedically a lot of my style um the deadpan humor present in the game um his name is constantly slipping my mind who is the voice of cave johnson um oh. because he was also omni-man in invincible J. Jonah Jameson and Spider-Man. Uh, uh, hold on. Hold on. Yeah, is it J.K. Simmons? Yes, J.K. Simmons. J.K. Simmons as Cave Johnson is an absolutely inspired casting choice that I think in particular does not get enough recognition. It is probably Combined... one of the greatest VA performances in a video game of all time. Absolutely. Combined with the writing, it's probably like if I if I had to rank video game characters, I don't think there would even be a conversation about who my number one is. It'd be Cave Johnson immediately, easily, without question. And the wildest thing about that is you never see him. It's just the voice. Yeah, you see some paintings, but otherwise his only presence is pre-recorded segments of dialogue. Ugh. Like canonically in the game. Yeah. I, I, Fucking amazing. Love Portal 2. <laughs> uh, middle game, Super Mario 64. Um, always my center of the 3x3s is going to be what I consider my favorite of all time. Um, Mario 64 is uh, 
one of the best 3D platformers even to this day. I would argue it's not even a legacy pick. It's not paying reverence to a classic or the fact that it was one of the first. I legitimately believe Mario 64 is still one of the best 3D platformers you could play today. And that is owed entirely to the Nintendo polish and the fact that people like Miyamoto or Iwata somehow just understand video games, or in Iwata's case, understood, rest in peace. They just understand video games on a level that it seems like nobody else does. Because it's fucking weird to think about your Nintendo in the 90s, right? And you've got this 3D technology and you somehow go from Super Mario World and Yoshi's Island, and you crank out an all-time classic like Mario 64 on the first try? Insane. And much like God of War, you know, the unfortunate thing about depression is that a single God of War cannot cure it. So whenever <laughs> I'm feeling down and I'm not liking video games, somehow I can still force my way into playing Mario 64, and it's not a cure. It's not therapy, you know, but it helps. Mario 64 is always fun. It's always something I can go back to. And over the years, it's a game that I have completed to 100% upwards of 10 times at this point. It somehow never gets old. Yeah, I've never played it all the way through, but I know you... I, I know everything you're saying. I'm like, yeah, this, this, I, this was the one I knew was on here, but, like, that shouldn't have been a surprise, but... I, I I know all you do is talk up this game, and maybe one day I'll beat it, <laughs> as I probably only played the first, like, 15 minutes of it 10 times, but that was when I was I, a young uh, lad. I unashamedly bought the Mario 3D All-Stars for the Nintendo Switch, and it was almost entirely just to be able to play Mario 64 again, because <laughs> sometimes I just want an excuse to play something again, even if it's not new or updated whatsoever, or remastered in any way, or plays on 60 FPS. Come on, Nintendo, please. <laughs> so then the last game on the middle row, um, also something I talk up frequently with friends because it's a goddamn tragedy that more people I know haven't played it, and that's The Outer Wilds. Uh, this might be in an unreleased episode of the podcast. I'm not sure. Um, I've definitely talked with you about Outer Wilds at length before. Mm -hmm. um, and all, all I can say is just that uh, it, it's, it's the most recent game on my 3x3 three by, three by kind of a long shot, only coming out in just the last few years. Um, and sometimes I'm surprised by how profound an effect a modern game can still have on me. Uh, that when I play it for the first time and still reflecting on it for years to come, that, that it stands true in the hall of fame of games that make me weep like a little baby because the the things that outer wilds does to my psyche as far as defining the human existence and the nihilism of the universe combined with truly interesting space exploration gameplay that i have not seen emulated in any other game prior or after it's not a game that I can go back to because of the nature of the exploration. It does not lend itself to replayability, and that is a goddamn tragedy because it's probably number one on the list of games that if I could erase my memory and play for the first time, I would love to be able to experience all that the Outer Wilds has to offer me again. 
I, I don't know that it's a 10 out of 10. I don't know that it would resonate the same for anybody else. But for a time and place, I don't know that there is any other game that was more perfect for me than the honestly philosophical experience that Outer Wilds turned out to be. I know I've played the first bit, and it was good. And until I complete that game, you will always have a little hatred in your heart for me, and that's okay. Absolutely. Uh, uh, especially now that DLC for it got soft confirmed. Oh, really? No idea when, but uh, it's happening. Yeah, one of these days, if they put that bitch on PC Game Pass, I will play it immediately. Um, but until then, yeah, I don't know. I'm gonna remember that. I'm gonna remember you saying that. Oh, I'm I I will stick to that. If it gets on PC Game Pass, it'll be the first game that I play. <laughs> All right. So then, going on to the bottom row, uh, the first game up there is Dark Souls Three, and I. Uh, much like your Mass Effect pick, uh, Dark Souls 3 is it, it basically meant to be representative of the entire Dark Souls franchise. Um, but Dark Souls 3, for specific reasons, I, I chose to represent. Because, uh, honestly, I probably put more hours in Dark Souls 2 than anything else. But, uh, you know, Halo 3 is a central game for our friend group. But Dark Souls was a central game for a different friend group of mine. And I had a pretty rocky relationship with Dark Souls starting out. Uh, I had two friends basically throw me in a basement and they said, you're going to play Dark Souls and we're going to watch. Uh, and this was Dark Souls 1 at the time. Uh, and I I hated it. I did not like it. Did not like it whatsoever. And not even because it was hard. That didn't really bother me. But like any situation where somebody says, hey, play this, you're going to like it. I'm immediately set against them mentally, which is why... <laughs> For the most part, I try not to do that because I know that it's not conducive to an enjoyable gameplay experience. Um, but then after that initial setup, uh, one of them eventually got a digital copy of the game. So then they gave me their physical copy and said, I know you didn't like it initially, but here's my copy. Try it again. And that was dangerous <laughs> because once I was able to take it at my own pace, play by myself and enjoy the game in a way that I didn't feel like I had to prove anything to somebody looking over my shoulder, I fell in love. Uh, the, uh, you know, we talked about last week when we were talking about the passing of Kintaro Miura and uh, the effect that Berserk had on Dark Souls as a franchise. Dark Souls itself then went on to redefine the way a lot of people thought about video game combat, um, very directly influencing games like God of War, or uh, more recently, Jedi Star Wars Jedi Fallen Order. Uh, they're described as Souls-likes. And, uh, you know, uh, From Software went on to make games like Bloodborne, which are not Dark Souls, but are very Souls-inspired, as well as uh, Sekiro. Uh, Ghost of Tsushima feels very Dark Souls in the execution of its combat. The ripples of that franchise are not to be understated whatsoever. Um, and when I was able to finish Dark Souls 3, ending its final DLC with what I do consider to be the single best boss fight in the entire franchise, uh, it, it, was, uh, it was the definition of melancholy. Especially for the way they set up that boss fight and the way the franchise ended, as well as knowing that I was never going to get more Dark Souls. That it was truly an end cap that, that I knew for certain... This was the end 
of an entire era of my life that I was putting away, I'm not sure that a game will ever give me the same feeling. And I need to take a sip of water now. <laughs> well, it's funny because I, I, it's Dark Souls is a franchise that I would love to get into, but every time that I have tried to play it, well, it's just, it's just everything about games that I don't like, but mostly because <laughs> I'm bad at. And going back to my old Halo Three days, you know, uh, easily triggered I am with the Vigi games. <laughs> and Dark Souls just scratches that trigger itch uh, in the worst way, and I have never been able to get through it. But with you know everything you've said about the franchise, everything I've just read or heard other people who've played it say, it's one I would love to be able to get sucked into. I just don't think it will ever happen. Yeah, I mean, it's, it is an unfortunate downside. It's definitely not a game for everybody. And it's not a perfect game. Um, I don't think, like, a lot of people talk up the difficulty where, like, I, I've made no qualms on this podcast about the fact that I hate the phrase, the Dark Souls of whatever. And part of that is because I don't actually think Dark Souls is that hard a lot of the time. Not once you understand the flow of combat, the way that you do a dance of combat in Dark Souls. But, uh, it's not perfect. Some bosses are stupid and cheap. And sometimes they throw three bosses at you at the same time, and it doesn't feel good to play. And I can appreciate that that kind of style isn't for everybody. And if it doesn't click with you, it's not going to be an enjoyable experience. So it's not something I try to shove down people's throats, but it is something I feel strongly about. Yeah, no, I get that. Uh, so then the last two games here, um, aside from Outer Wilds, these last two are the real big emotional gut punches of my gaming life. Uh, the first of which being The Legend of Zelda Majora's Mask. Um, now, you said you were surprised that this was my Zelda pick. I assume you thought if I was going to have one, it would have been Breath of the Wild. Probably, yeah. And uh, that's totally fair. It was on the list. I had to choose between the two. Um, and I chose Majora's Mask because as much as I enjoy Breath of the Wild as a gaming experience, uh, I chose Majora's Mask for the story. Uh, there, there's a lot of things about Breath of the Wild story that I have issues with. Uh, some of the characters I have issues with. Execution on story beats is weird. Um, but Majora's Mask, you know, for being so weirdly different for the Zelda franchise as a whole, you know, let alone coming off the heels of Ocarina of Time, but when you, you know, look back at Link to the Past or the original Zelda even, Zelda 2, Link's Awakening, everything that came prior to Majora's Mask uh, was wildly, wildly different. Majora's Mask was different. It, it, it is always considered the black sheep of the Zelda franchise. And that, that's because it just gets so dark, like depressingly beat you over the head with pure nihilism and in its own way, denial of the inevitable where you spend three days in this town on the brink of disaster, and everybody knows, you know, it's not like you're saving the people from a danger they don't understand or that they're willfully ignoring. They all know they're going to die, but they also kind of give up in a way. Some characters just find ways to deal with it. Other characters have business they need to finish before it happens. 
you're on a quest to save them from the danger and you have the power to do so, but nobody else does and they don't have a way out of it. So they're just doing what they can before they are literally crushed to death by a celestial body. And the things that happen around that is not something I think the Zelda franchise has, or, or even any Nintendo title has really explored since. And for playing the 3DS version as a freshman in high school, it was a really raw experience and something that I, I feel like for the last seven years, I just simply haven't stopped thinking about. Hmm. Goddamn incredible. <laughs> One day I will play it, maybe. <laughs> I feel like that's most of most of my thing on the last couple you've had is like I will play this maybe someday maybe <laughs> except for Outer uh, Wilds I'm... coming to Game Pass. I, I yeah no that that one's for sure. But that's the thing like I I think my thing with Zelda and not getting into it is I am scared to because I feel like I there's only one Zelda game that I think that I have beaten and it was a Nintendo DS one um that was very wind waker like in in how it looked and played and I just know that I I could easily get sucked into them and then I will want to play all of them and I have put up a barrier in my mind to not <laughs> to go down that path when there's so many other games that I still need to play yeah and Majora's Mask is also the kind of Zelda game that doesn't do the traditional dungeon like dungeon to dungeon kind of gameplay the The vast majority of Majora's Mask, most of the stuff you're doing feels like side quests, like eighty percent of the game is side quests, and the dungeons are auxiliary to the story, kind of like Breath of the Wild is where there's only four dungeons in Breath of the Wild. Um, I mean, there are shrines everywhere set up as mini dungeons, but you're mostly exploring the world. You're meeting characters. You're running errands for them. And that's very what Majora's Mask is. So it gives you the chance to interact with these characters and really get into what makes them tick. And that's really what's at the heart of the game. Oh, see, don't, um, don't which tell I think, me that. Don't tell, <laughs> yeah, don't it lends itself that. well. It lends itself well to somebody who doesn't know the Zelda franchise because even in its gameplay execution, it feels separate. It can be its own experience that you don't need to be connected to the franchise to understand and enjoy on that level. So you should play it. One day. <laughs> okay. So then the last game on my 3x3 three three is Undertale. Um, also a game that I've talked extensively with you about. Yes. Um, oh, yes. And I'll try not to go too long on it because I feel like I'm just going to be saying a lot of the same shit I've said for Majora's Mask and Outer Wilds. But uh, Undertale is a monument to the indomitable spirit of man. <laughs> in the I fact praise. that 95% of the game was made by one man. From the pixel art to the gameplay to the music, it was almost all Toby Fox. And A... That's fucking incredible. That, that that guy has the kind of talent to make such a good game with such good characters, with such deep themes, and then also crank out a banging soundtrack on the side. God, I, I would kill several puppies for that kind of talent. Oh, that's extreme, but okay. Yes. Uh, 
and, and then, uh, you know, with Undertale, if you know, you know. It hits hard. It doesn't pull any punches. It's, uh, it's one of the games that I have cried the absolute hardest playing. For the things it does to you as a player, breaking down the fourth wall of why you play games, and in some ways why you should feel guilty for the things you do in video games, um, it's an experience that sticks with you for a long time. Uh, you think about your choices. Like, for a game that honestly takes four hours to finish a playthrough, uh, there there are choices and story beats that still affect me. I could hear, like, there, there's like three songs from the soundtrack that if I heard it right now, there would be tears in my eyes still. And uh, I played that probably not that much longer after... Majora's Mask so like five or six years later um that's still a game that hits real deep in my soul and uh that's why it's one of my quarter pieces because it's everything I love about video games at the same time as being everything I love about storytelling as well as my particular brand of preferred storytelling and that is beating me over the head with depression oh well I see why I don't have games like that on mine <laughs> mine, <laughs> mine ignore that kind of feeling altogether well that's why we did the anime steins gate was the center because that's all steins gate is too yeah it's just a i'm gonna mess you up mentally for however I, many I hours am, it is i'm addicted to despair is the problem <laughs> fair enough i mean so that's our three by threes I, yeah i i it's interesting with this one, like, when we did the anime one, it was more like us shit-talking each other for stuff that we put on there. And this one, as we kind of said, it it's really hard to do that, I think, in gaming taste, because it's gaming taste lends itself much more to music, in my opinion, and that it's kind of hard to justifiably tell someone that their taste is bad. Unless it's just absolute trash games that everyone could agree aren't good. Unless that's just your aesthetic. Could you imagine if I came in here with the movie tie-in game for Finding Nemo on GameCube? Then I would have been like, well, what the fuck, dude? (laughs) What the fuck? But, you know, unless you're putting games like that, like that's your whole list, well, then I would just say you just like trash games. So, like, okay, you just, that's your taste is absolute trash games but you know i can't look at anything you put on you and go nope nope you're wrong you're wrong that's dumb you're an idiot for thinking that i mean <laughs> it's it's a interesting difference between the the mediums and what you do like i want to do a movie one at some point and i think that one would be very interesting because it would lend itself to be kind of in between a gaming one and an anime one where you could judge someone on their movie taste a lot better than you can on their gaming taste, but probably not on the same degree as anime. But I think that's also just the nature of the medium where everyone think everyone in the anime community thinks that their taste is the best and everyone else's is awful. Gaming, it's like, it's kind of just generally agreed upon what games are good. And I think that's similar to movies, but movies have a little more leeway in where you could like, no, that movie's actually trash and someone else could really like it. So some sure. point we'll Video do games we'll are do that. incredibly subjective 
in it, their execution and the things that resonate with the player. Yeah, a hundred percent. Because, like I said, I had a I had a list of movies that or a list of games that still could have gotten in on the three by three stuff like The Last of Us or Resident Evil Seven or Shadow of the Colossus, all still very good games, and it's just uh, making the hard decision about what feels the most me. Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, hopefully, hopefully we get some uh some spicy announcements next week. We probably won't. That you know, some new games that might be able to get be in contention of getting on either of our three by threes if we would ever do it again. Again, I don't think so. I don't. I don't <laughs> think we're gonna get a lot from E three. That's gonna be like, oh, holy shit. Uh. But you know what? Maybe maybe someone's working. Maybe one of those studios that Microsoft bought is secretly just working on a a classic banger that will stand the test of time. Who knows? We can only hope. But uh, if the last year of movies is anything to go by, then it, it would feel appropriate that we would still be in a drought of video games for a time to come. Hey, At least I'm, as far as AAA titles go. All I'm saying, I finally beat Psychonauts. And if Double Fine can do justice for Psychonauts 2, that might have some potential. Like, a modern Psychonauts, I could, on legit, without knowing anything about what that game could be, from what I enjoyed about Psychonauts, that would be, that could be in contention to be in the discussion for me of making a 3x3. Maybe. That's purely really? off the idea of what the game could be. You liked it that much, huh? I really enjoyed it, and I really wanted more. But... Also, the meat carnival pissed me off in levels that all platformer type <laughs> games do. So there's that as well. well. I'm glad you really enjoyed it. Yes, it was very good. All right. Well, I think uh, that's going to do it for this incredibly long winded episode of Healthy Obsession. It wasn't that long. We've gone longer. Well, yeah, but I mean, like, you know, just for bits of one of us talking for a long time. Oh, yeah. Well, you know, yeah, no. my mouth is so dry. Yeah, no. We'll post these on our Twitter, like we said. Uh, you can give us your thoughts there if you would like. We've gotten some action going on the Twitter. I know it's it's slow but steady. I don't know if it's steady; it's just slow. But you know, <laughs> check out the yeah, Twitter. Tell tell me tell me Portal Two isn't a perfect game, and I'll come to your house and fight you. Do it. I want to see this. I'll be there <laughs> recording. <laughs> So, until next week, uh, follow us on Twitter at Obsession underscore pod. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, give us a five-star review. And if you are listening literally anywhere else, tell a friend. And maybe they'll find a new game that they could put on their 3x3. And hey, you know what? If you're listening, why don't you, why don't you go ahead and make your own 3x3 and send it to us on the Twitter. We'll tell, you, we'll tell you it's shit. Well, as I just said, that's kind of hard to do. But <laughs> Yeah, but I'll do it. But Chris, if, if someone replies to you with an insult, Chris was the one doing that. It wasn't me. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, hopefully we'll be back next week with some hot E3 announcements. Hopefully. Until we then, can only pray. <laughs> hope you enjoyed this one, and we'll see you then. Bye.